Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. You know, I was just thinking about it wait, last night. I was just thinking about it and how you have many, many theologians and many, many people right around the world who read the Bible. But you know what? That Bible means nothing to them, really. They just read it because they've been told to read it by their parents, their priest. And that makes them feel a little bit religious when they read the Bible or they even decide to dedicate themselves to go and study theology. And there was a little bit of a rumor at Tuckies which is the Pretoria University, the naughtiest students were the theologian students. So it just goes to show that the Bible in itself does nothing, changes nothing, it's just words. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you, when you're born again, the Bible says in that day the Word of God will be written on your heart. So when you read the Bible then, and the Spirit of God inside of you goes, quang. all of a sudden it becomes life. And it's like you can't just have the Bible without the Spirit of God inside of you. Otherwise, you're just reading a storybook, a historical book full of memoirs and poems. I hate poetry, by the way. But you need that because once you get that, the Bible, the Word of God, when it collides with your spirit, it gives you energy. Because when you have revelation, you have energy. And that's what the Word of God is meant to do for you. If you're reading your Bible and there's no energy coming out of it for you personally, let me tell you, let the Holy Spirit come on inside of you because the Word of God is written in your heart. It just always, it's just like, I confirm, I confirm, I confirm. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, as you read. That's what it should be. And I also felt that there are many people in this auditorium or this little room today that have given themselves to the study of the Word of God. Like Donna, um, who's all been through Bible college, Bull. There are just so many people here who have given themselves to the study of the Word of God. And this generation is moving on. Our next generation needs to develop a love for the Word of God because let me tell you, even when I didn't live in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God was still there and it begins to just be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. But if it's not inside of you and you haven't read it, you've got nothing to hang on to. Okay, so rechargeable Duracell Christianity. I just put this little picture up. Um, get plugged into the Word of God. It's kind of like you're a Duracell battery, and you're not going to have energy going into you. You're going to be flat unless you've got the basics of the written Word of God in your heart. Let's read the next um, scripture. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. And one of the weapons, the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, I just love this. I went to the Passion Bible because last week we learned that the Passion Bible is the best translation from the original Greek. So I thought, let me check out the Passion Bible. Um, I just thought this was powerful. This is why we continually thank God for your lives. Obviously, it's how the disciples were feeling in those days. 
because you received our message, you embrace it not as a fabrication of man. What had Stephen been teaching? The Bible is both human and supernatural and divine. <laughs> okay, he's giving me the tensio. So you embrace it not as human, but as divine. And the word continues to be an energizing force in you who believe. Who wants more energy for life? Who feels like their batteries have gone flat? What does the Bible say gives you energy? The word. Okay, Beth, I'm here as well because I I just have to bring the Bible in because that's the theme for the month. Okay, we finished with that. Overs could overs. (laughs) No, I'm teasing. It's part of what I want to talk about. But there's also that that thing. We did a course here by Beth Moore many years ago. It was called Living Beyond Yourself. And it came out in the worship today. When you live within your own capacity, you will never experience the miraculous of God. And what helps us to experience the miraculous of God is when we believe what the Bible says. That's the bottom line. So if we're not living, if we're living within our own capacity, we'll never experience miraculous. The only way I get to want to experience the miraculous is when I read something the Bible says, I see something that's completely contrary in my life, and I believe the word of God and I allow to create energy in me to pray that into being. Hello, do we all do that? I hope so. So we need to live beyond yourself. Now, for a lot of you, this is my welcome back. Hello, I'm back from the UK. It's good to be here, back with my family. And I want to say to my family, both those that are with me every day and those that are with me on a Sunday, thank you for letting me go. Thank you for allowing me to try and live beyond myself. And let me tell you what, I really am living beyond myself when I go out there on my own as a carer. I'm a little girl, I used to play nurse, but as an adult, I used to know why I never became a nurse. You think about all the bodily fluids and et cetera, et cetera, and you say, thank you, Jesus, that I never became a nurse. And here I am going into caring in the UK. Um, I remember even 10 years ago, my gran was on the toilet and I was visiting my mum. She's now passed to be with Jesus. But, and my gran was going, Rose, Rose. My mom is Rosemary. And um, my mom said, Janet, please go help granny. Uh, I'm just caught up a bit. I said, mom, what are you doing? I'll do what you're doing. You go help her. <laughs> so you must know, for me to go to the UK and work as a carer, honestly, I am living beyond myself. And I have been amazed at how God has enabled me to do that that I never, ever thought I could do. So thank you for letting me go. Thank you, Maria and Tammy and Helene and all of those for encouraging me to step out. Because you know the whole financial crisis has hit the world. Hello? Anybody heard about that? (laughs) The only person who's out of a recession now is Donald Trump. And you never know if he's trumping his own cards or if it's real. But, you know, about a sort of a year and a half ago, I was lying in bed and, you know, Stephen, bless his heart, and my husband, and he gets very anxious about the finances of this church and of about our future. 
And I was just lying there thinking, what can we do? What can we do? You know, and everybody spoke that, Janet, you're a good business person. I mean, what can I do? What can I do? Try and paint portraits, no commissions. I mean, and there's lots of hours for little money. At any rate, my British passport was highlighted to my mind, and I thought, oh, God, what is that for? And then, obviously, with Helena doing it, it just, the whole thing of caring just started falling into place in me. But I thought, I can't leave the church. I can't leave my family. I can't leave my grandchildren. That's not within me to do. It's not possible for me. You don't understand me. Uh, And it was just God started saying, Janet, you need to go. And then Maria and Tammy, Janet, it's going to be fine. And I stepped out last year and I did it and it was fine. It was good for me. It was good for Stephen. It was good for my family. And I did a a shorter stint this year. I did two months. We had worked it out. I was only going to miss two teach times. In fact, this morning, somebody came and said, hello, I didn't even know you had gone. Okay, church. (laughs) But then also back to this prophetic word that we had last week. For those of you that were here, there was a girl, she came and she began to roar, and she roared and she roared and she roared, and then she just just rise up. You're, You're mighty, you're a lion, take your territory. You know, often when you're out of a place for a while, if you leave your home and you go on holiday for an extended time, you come back, you see the things that are wrong again. But when you're living there, everything seems starts morphing. I mean, I came back into South Africa this time and I could see the things that were wrong. I could see where South African people are being stolen from. I actually couldn't. I was like, I even said to Stephen, I'm horrified. I'm actually horrified of what's happened to our economy For what? For what? And I think it's about time that South Africans, even this church, eh? I mean, like, I just see how messy the stage is. But when I'm here week after week, I just get used to it. You see the pictures that hanging skew in your home, and you go fix them. So sometimes it's good to get up because when you come back in, you can see, have an outsider's perspective again. And I just felt to say to the church, we need to roar like lions over the territory that God has given us. We need to chase off predators and hyenas that are coming to scavenge. We need to roar over our city, over our families, over this church, because there are many hyenas around that are coming for the underbelly, for the leftover, for the carcasses, and then we start living with it, and we see the carcasses, and we think it's normal, but it's not. We think poverty is normal, but it's not, because we see it too often. So we need to begin to roar and become territorial. When I told the agency, what's the, it feels like it's falling down. Okay, so when I told the agency that I was going to make myself available for June and July, I had to wait for the phone call. I got a phone call and they offered me a position as a driver in London for a lady. And I prayed about it. And it was going to be like a bit of a, only a 10-day stint, and then they'd move me on to something else. And I just said, no, I don't think I want to do that. I said, I want something a little bit more long-term. You put the phone down, and I said to Stephen, I don't know if I've just closed doors on myself, you know, by declining a position. I might have to wait a month for something else. You know, you never know, because there's a lot of the little 10 days, two weeks, three weeks available, and I didn't want that. And I just said, sorry, no, I want something longer-term. And then you second-guess yourself when you close doors. 
always do, but I just didn't feel right about it. Then I get a phone call from the agency again. There's an 85-year-old man they'd like me to go take care of. Basically, um, he's got frontal lobe dementia, Pick's disease. It's a rare disease. Only really attacks very clever people, funnily enough. Clever people can end up with it. Uh, but it causes inappropriate behavior. Um, he was inclined to grab the carer's breasts. I was not allowed to leave his grandchildren on his own with him because he would behave inappropriately. He would expose himself and walk naked through the house. This picture that was painted was one of horror for me. It really, really was. And I said to the care manager, just send me the plan. I'll have a look through it and I'll make an adult decision about whether I will go or not. And then I said, is his wife with him? She said, yes, he is. Now, a lot of carers don't like going into situations where wives are because you like being watched all the time. So I got the care plan. The very first thing on the care plan was the address that would be mine. And this, oh, sorry, well, this is ask, expect, receive, okay? This whole thing. Sometimes we ask, but we don't expect. And then we don't receive. The very first thing on the care plan was the address where I was going to be staying. <laughs> and I prayed about it, and God said to me, you're not going there for him, you're going there for her. So I said, okay, all right. So I told Stephen, I was petrified. I mean, I don't want to end up with a man who I have to, Jesus' name, stay away. But, <laughs> you know, I was petrified. Stephen and I prayed about it, we felt a peace bite about it, and I left. And I said to him, I'll go. The care manager was so relieved because everybody had been turning her down. But, I mean, she really painted a picture. And the dates were exactly the dates we had asked for. So um, one of the things that ask, expect, uh, let's go back one, ask, expect, receive. One of the things I love to do is travel in the favor of God. Okay, because I do not like flying in airplanes. And I do not like flying in airplanes alone. And I shouldn't even tell you what I'm doing because then you're all going to do it and then I won't get my way eventually. <laughs> okay, Stephen says I'm waffling. Probably am. And I ask. I book economy and I ask God, please let me get an emergency exit seat. If you go on the web pages now, you see you pay an extra thousand rand and if you want to sit in an emergency exit seat. So I ask, Lord, please, 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 and then I stand in the line with my luggage. I say, please, 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 let me go to the right person here who's going to be helpful because some people are just jolly unhelpful. And whenever I get there, I say, is there any possibility of me getting an emergency exit seat? You know, like, oh. And they say, oh, we'll see what we can do. So on my way there, plane, chuck a full. You know that like where you're going to go into the airplane and you're going to be like in the economy class. You like, feel like everywhere's like this. I hate it. I hate that feeling. I like feeling free. And um, she goes, so first thing, I get an emergency exit seat. Oh, God, Mrs. Wheeler. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Gave the lady a sweet. I love you so much. <laughs> but I ask and I expect, and I ask God to lead me to the right person, and I expect to be able to get it. And I'm so amazed at how many people don't expect and don't even bother to ask. It just, yeah. Is the mic fun? 
So, and then on the second, th the second leg, I got to Dubai, I got straight to the information desk. Hello, this is my seat. Can you please put me in emergency exit seat? They have a look, yes, sure, you're in the emergency exit seat. I go spend my time in Dubai, get on the airplane. I say to the lady, is this plane full? She says, yeah, no, it's quite full. I say, do you have any, like, three seats or four seats open anywhere? Even though I've got now an emergency exit seat. She goes, I say to her, I'm going to go work straight away. And I really was. I was getting there, getting on the bus and starting work that afternoon. I said, and I really would like to sleep. She comes to me, she says, those four chairs, they are open. So not only did I have an emergency exit, she said, I had four chairs in a row. <laughs> so I could make a bed. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, that's the favor of God when you travel on a full airplane. Even overbooked some of them. So now you've got the, my first confirmation that I get is this Wheeler's Lodge. The second confirmation I get, this is a beautiful little picture, isn't it? This picture used to hang in my bedroom when I was a little girl. And my mom always used to say to me, Janet, that's you as a baby. It's not really. But it looks like you as a baby. And I mean, I loved that picture. It was in my room. I go into my bedroom at Wheeler's Lodge. Guess what picture's on the wall? This picture's on the wall. I say to the lady there, oh, I can't believe it. The same picture that was on my wall when I was growing up as a baby is now on the wall in Europe. She says, oh, that picture was on my wall when I was growing up. So it was just like... Thing. So then you get into the situation where you're starting now to get to know them, get the needs working, understanding, you know, the whole thing. And the first and second week is always hectic when you go in. And it's actually nice. I like to be busy. I don't like sitting around. Second night that I'm there, I wake up in the middle of the night with a demon attacking me. I'm like, oh, God, what is this about? This hasn't happened till, since I've come into an understanding of the goodness of God. And I realize it's a sexual predator demon. So I take authority over it. I realize that the person I'm taking care, for, care of is an empty shell. What he does now, he never did in his previous life. And demons are using him with inappropriate behavior. So I just took authority and I prayed and I prayed and I took it and the demon lifted and I felt peace and I went back to sleep. Then time goes, this guy once... He went like this to me. And I took his hand. I said, don't be dodge. <laughs> I said, and don't misbehave with me. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Never had a problem again. And, um, but round about the second week, the oldest daughter comes for lunch. Lovely, lovely girl. I find out that they're born again. Church of England now moving in, in the throes of moving over into charismatic, half charismatic, half Church of England. And, but we talk about Jesus, and then um, off she goes home. She sends me a message. She says, Janet, do you know how long I have prayed for a Christian carer to come in to look after my parents? She's the only Christian in the entire family. She says, you are such an answer to prayer. So I just laughed. I said, yeah, I didn't send her a Christian. I sent her a pastor's wife. But honestly, I used to say to my client, the, the, the wife, I used to say to her, out of all the people in England that you could have had or I could have gone to, God chose me to be with you. I used to just always tell her that. And she'd go, mm, you know, and I'm like, mm. So anyway, so my client that I looked after had been what they call a warden in the church for 40 years. 
they had gone to their church, a little, a little village called Kunkaven in Monmouth, for 30 years until he got ill. He had the most beautiful voice, and although he was, I wouldn't say he was, he, he was mute, he didn't talk, he doesn't talk anymore. But when he sang, he would sing words perfectly. And they would come out, and I mean, I, th- I don't think, I think I sang all things bright and beautiful about a thousand times <laughs> with him. Because it was just so beautiful just to hear the words coming out. So put, on Sunday mornings, I'd say, I used to say, that, we, oh, that was the other thing. Four miles from where their home is, Nigel and Ruth Yooks from St. Agnes have started a church. I kid you not. So I was like, this is the church you're going to go to. These are the people you've got to get in touch with. I tried and I tried and I tried, didn't get it right. And the lady who lives across the road is connected with Nigel and Ruth. And she said, I promise you, Janet, I'll continue to work on it to get them there. So then every Sunday morning she'd say, Janet, if you want to go to church, you can go to church. I said, I don't need to go to church. I've got a church. I want to get you into a church family. That was my goal. So then, then... it was always something. He had been up all night, or he had a fall, or family were coming over. You know the way life goes. So then I would put my phone on, and we'd listen to all these beautiful Church of England hymns, and they loved it. I think it made them feel a little bit churchy. <laughs> then another thing is the agency that I work for are amazing. They really take care of their carers. I mean, they make sure that there's internet, they make sure there's a television in your room, they make sure you've got access to a car. I mean, they do. So every time I got a call from the agency, how's it going there, Janet? Have they sorted out? Because they're in the 80s, they couldn't understand why do I want internet? I mean, neither of them have a cell phone. Um, Why do I want a TV in my room and I can come sit with them in their lounge and watch TV? You know, and what do I need a car for to get out? I'm working. You know, even if I'm on a break, go sleep, you know, or whatever, I don't know. But they had, by the time I got there, they had the one thing right. She was very gracious and said, Janet, you can use my car anytime you need it. Uh, halfway, about three weeks into my thing, they got the internet sorted out. Right at the end, they still hadn't got the TV sorted out. So I kept saying to her and her daughter, sorry, see, I kept saying to her and her daughter, Listen, I'm fine. I've got a computer. I can stream. I can watch a series. I can do a few things. I don't need a TV, but the next carrier you might be in trouble with. You're going to have to swap. But you don't know how to set a TV up. And I'm like, well, I don't know either. You're probably going to have to get TV people to come in to set it up. Anyway, so on one of my times off, she had said to me, Jen, go to town. I said, okay, great. I used to go there and spend a little bit of money. I'm very schnipped now because I want to bring it all back home. And um, they've got a lot of the, what they call charity shops. So I go into this little charity shop, and I'm browsing, trying to find a bargain. Megan, you would love it. But at any rate, so this lady comes charging out from the back, you know, where it's got their staff only, and she's like but talking at the top of her voice to the cashier. You know we're not allowed to accept televisions. We don't have a license to sell them. We could lose our license. I end, you know, the non-profit license. You have to get that person to come and get their television back. She says, oh, but you only told me it was, it was an electrical appliance. And I said, yes, you can leave it here. So there's this big hoo-ha, you know, I just overhear it going on. So then I carry on browsing. And the next thing, probably five minutes later, I hear this irate voice, a guy. 
why do you take it from me if you don't know that you can take it and don't you know what you can and can't do in this place and I've been lugging this thing around and now I've got to go find somewhere else to take it. And you know, like, it's almost like when you ask and you expect and you believe, I thought, you know, he can only say no. So I turn around to this guy and say, are you trying to get rid of your television? Now it's in this nice flat box thing. He says, well, yeah, it's my mom's, but she's moved and now she's got another wall-mounted one. And I said, I need a TV. He says, oh, do you? Now all the staff are like, because they're probably thinking we could have done that ourselves. <laughs> but I don't so I said, can I have it? Oh, yeah, you're not sure if you want it, you can take it. And he changed, just like that, and he helped me. He says, where's your car? My car was probably about half a kilometer away. I said, if you can just get me to Waitrose, I can grab a trolley, and then I can push it from there. So this guy helped me all the way to Waitrose, put it in the trolley. He says, can I take it to the car for you? I said, no, it's absolutely fine. And then I said, you know what? It actually is for a good cause, because now the family that I was with were not very wealthy, just so that you know. They had accessed every possible government help that they could get. And here I do, I arrive at the house, I've got a TV. I mean, they like were blown away, and it was a nice, big, flat TV. I do say when I was in the car, I was starting to think, how can I get this back to South Africa? <laughs> It's like almost like when I asked, I was blessed, and that gave me such favor with them and their family. Let me tell you what. Start to expect, because when you expect, it's not only for yourself, but for others as well. And keep your ears and your eyes open, please, for goodness sake. You know, like, oh, Trish needs this and that one. Don't just get absorbed in your own little world and your own little needs. If I was like that, I would just do a normal job and go home. So anyway, where is this lady at spiritually? With him, I was singing hymns, going for walks, I'm saying Jesus loves you, is Jesus in your heart, and I'm, he can't tell tales on me to the agency. <laughs> I'm trying to proselytize him. Besides, he goes to church anyway, because he'll just, and he'll smile, and he'll go, Jesus? You're like, he, he, yeah, but at any rate. We'd walk and I'd sing Christian songs and hymns and speak to him about how much Jesus loved him, etc., etc. So probably about three, four weeks into my stay, I've already now given Wendy my whole testimony of how I've become a Christian. We're sitting in the lounge one day, so I say, I look at her and I look at him, and there was such evident love between the two of them. It was so evident. I promise you, you could see they were still in love, dementia and all. She loved him, she adored him, and you could see he adored her. And I was just looking at her, I said to Wayne, mm? I said to my client, <laughs> won't it be beautiful one day when you and your husband are in heaven, and you can walk and talk and just be like it was, and God has just restored everything to you that has been stolen from you. She looks at me, she says, I don't believe in eternal life. I said, do you honestly believe that what you're living right now, the book closes and that's it, the end? No, no. She says, I can't believe that there's eternity after this. woman has gone to church 40 years with her husband who's a church warden. Ouch. So straight away I said to her, my sweetie, didn't call her my sweetie because I'm too polite. I'm in a position of work. But I'm thinking this. 
I said to her, do you believe what the Bible says? She says, yes. I said, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. She just looks. Just looks. You can just see the little cogs going over in her brain. And then I said it again. For God so loved me and you that if you believe in Jesus, you will never die but have eternal life. And you could just see the cogs going over in her brain. And I said to her, you know, before I leave this place, I am going to give you a reassurance of eternal life. And she just said, okay, like as if, like, let's see. Anyway, go on, do my job. Well behaved. And then right at the last moment, I decide now I've really got to give this woman clarification of eternity before I leave this house. I cannot justify it. You know, she was the kind of person that you meet. She knew, she knew I was a pastor's wife, so she would tell me about all the Christians she knew. My dad, my oldest daughter. You know, you always hear about everybody else who loves and loves Jesus but you yourself. So anyway, so on the last day, I thought, oh, I'm busy washing dishes. And I just think, God, I have to do it now. I have to do it now. Before the next carrot comes in, I run into the lunch. I say, Wendy, I still got wet hands. I said, I, I said my name, but it doesn't matter. Wendy House, <laughs> I have to pray with you right now. I said, I have to know that this isn't the last time I'm going to see you, whether I come back or I don't come back. I want to go into eternity, and I want to see you there saying hello to me. She goes, yes. So I said, can I pray and just take you through. So, I mean, I basically got her to pray and ask Jesus into her life to forgiveness of sin. And then I asked her to ask the Holy Spirit into her life to give her confirmation of eternal life. Because it's only by the Holy Spirit those things come. And she did all that. And then I prayed for her. And then she looked up at me with glassy eyes, but no tears running down her cheeks. She would have been nice, but there were no tears running down her cheeks. And then I look over at her husband who's sitting in the chair next to her and he's got tears coming out of his eyes. And I turned to him and I said, do you want me to pray for you as well? And he said, yes. And I prayed for him. I didn't get him to speak after me. I just prayed for him. It was the most beautiful moment. I then sent, his, sent their daughter a text message because I told her. I sent her a message because we got on WhatsApp. I said, your mother doesn't believe in eternity because she was convinced that they were both Christians, her parents. You know, nominal, but there. And she went, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> so, I, so I sent her a text message, and I just said, you know, I've just prayed with your mom, and, you know, asked her to ask Jesus into her life, to ask for forgiveness, and to give her a revelation of eternity. And she did, and I prayed with your dad as well. She sends me back a text, and she says to me, thank you so much. She says, it's our pearl anniversary today. We are celebrating, and this is the best present I could have ever gotten. And I thought, it's also our pool anniversary here at Highway. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> um, oh, this has gone off. Will it come on on its own? You are an atmosphere changer. You carry God's word and his person inside of you. You can't help changing atmospheres if you believe that you carry both his word and his person Coming home, there were more miracles. 
plane was overbooked. I was offered a ticket if I, you know, like if you stay and delay, they'll give you a free ticket to go anywhere in the world. I was offered a ticket, plane overbooked. Spoke to Stephen. He said, you're not staying for a moment longer. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, gosh, here's now a full, book, full flight. There goes the emergency exit. They're busy piling people into that. So I'd done an online check-on, go to the online check-in area. There's a lady there. I said, I was actually hoping to stand in the line. I said, so that I could ask for an emergency exit seat. <laughs> she goes, oh, okay. I've got a friend. He's the only one who'll be able to help you. She takes my boarding pass, disappears, and she says, go stand in the line, and when, when you get to the front of the line, just wait till that desk there becomes available. She organizes me an emergency exit seat. But it's not the one in the front. It's the one, there's one behind. I don't know if you've ever seen, it's like a leg room, and you've got no responsibility like the ones that are in the actual thing. It was a beautiful seat. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And then when I get to the bar, once again, quickly change, get an emergency exit seat, get onto the, oh, when I'm getting onto the airplane, I say, I say to the air hostesses or to the people at the gate, the time was the people at the gate, are there any available rows? She's, she shows me it's completely full, but there's three chairs together all on their own. So I head for there, put all my stuff across. <laughs> this is my territory. <laughs> I had some little Indian chap come and sit in the emergency bulkhead where I was supposed to sit. And then he says to me, can my wife come and sit there on the end? So I say, no, she can't. <laughs> He says, but she always needs a toilet. So I said, so do I. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm really not a generous person with my chairs on the airplane. <laughs> but the word of God makes you brave. It really, really does. When you know that you are God's child, that you are favored, that you are blessed, you become brave in your requests. You really do. So just in closing... I just want to bring this, these few points to you because we've really, it's just something that came onto me. And it's just that whole thing of Janet Mills taught you, think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking about. And think about what you're saying about yourself. You need to stop saying terrible things about yourself. You need to stop coming to agreement with the devil and with the lies people have fed you from when you were a child. The Bible says that Jesus is a high priest of whose confession? Your pastors, your pastor's wife, your neighbors, your daughters, of our confession. What comes out of our mouths are basically, it is basically the way we're going to live. And I just said the younger we get this sorted out, the better off we're going to be. The Bible says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing. We've got to start thinking what we're thinking about because it's going to come out of our mouth. And what I say about me is more important than what you say about me. I have more authority in my own life to ask, receive, believe than anybody else has. You have more authority in your own life than I have. You can come here for prayer on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock feel wonderful, but by 7 o'clock, because you're speaking the things that are bad about yourself, I'm so dumb, I'm so stupid, I'm incapable, I can't, I can, 
and you've taken ownership of something, and you always know when somebody takes ownership of something, when they say, I am shy. I have a bad temper. They're saying that Jesus is a high priest of our confession. What can he do about it when you've taken ownership from it? So really, one of the things I want you to do is to begin to take God of your mouths. As children, we absorb those things into ourselves. As adults, we've got to hoof them out of ourselves and recognize them from where they're coming. And we need to negate all those things. And we've also got to know people will always have an opinion about you. Every single person you meet will have an opinion about you. But your opinion about you is more important and has more authority than anybody else's. And we need to live in the blessing and the favor of God. Let's just read this together. And I mean, you know, like, okay, let's just read this together. The Lord your God will set me high above all the nations of the world. You will experience, I will experience all these blessings if I obey the Lord your God. We all know Jesus' obedience qualifies us, not my obedience. My towns and my fields will be blessed. That's the place where I live, my business. My children and my crops will be blessed. That's your investments and your children. My offspring of my herds, that's where you've put in your money, you're putting your effort, my flocks will be blessed. Your bank account, your pets, your dog. My baskets and breadboards will be blessed. The Lord will conquer my enemies. When they attack me, they will, they will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter in seven. The Lord will guarantee. And I love a guarantee. Whenever I buy something, how long is this guarantee? And I keep the slip. And I let it live out to its last dying <coughs> of guarantee. I love irons. And you buy for two years because all irons have a lifespan. So you buy a line that has a two-year guarantee, right about 20 months it starts to have its hiccups, I've still got my slip, I'll go back and I get a new iron. <laughs> I love guarantees, but here it says, the Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything I do and will fill my storehouse with grain. The Lord your God will bless me in the land that he has given me. That's we mess up just basically by the way we talk about ourselves. Never take ownership of what other people say about you. The word blessed means empowered to prosper. That same word of empowered is energizing. The word of God is energizing inside of you. I wrote down a few synonyms. Oh, my gosh, they were pretty amazing. Um, They've run away. Invigorating, stimulating, enlivening, revitalizing, reviving, vitalizing, motivational, activating, enabling, refreshing, uplifting, strengthening, empowering. That's all what that word energizing, when it says the word of God is an energizing force in you. 
So basically, when it says, I say, when God says, I'm going to bless you, He says, I'm going to energize you in what you have put your hands to do. I am going to give you energy. I'm going to strengthen. I'm going to enliven. I'm going to bring you alive on the inside so that you become passionate about what God has called you to do. So that you become passionate about your children, about your business. Just passion. Passion, energy. If I put a battery inside of something and it doesn't work, I throw it in the dustbin. It's useless. Let's not be useless Christians. Listen, I'm not doing this for for me. I'm doing this for you because I want you to go into the world this week. And I want you to ask, to expect, and to believe that God is going to come through for you. If he can do it for me, not because I'm a pastor's wife. I'm very normal. My sister even reminded me I almost bit her toe off when I was a child. I'm a normal person. And I just ask, expect, believe, and it's only based on years and years of reading the Bible, believing the Bible, even when these people come with, oh, but the Bible, the Bible's not really that, and the Bible's not really this. Let me see what the Bible has made such a difference in my life. It was boring when I went to Hatfield Christian Church because there the pastor was line upon line upon line upon line, and soon I started feeling, wow, wow, wow. In the beginning, it wasn't stimulating my ears. It wasn't stimulating my mind. I wanted stories. I wanted a whole lot of things. But let me see what the Bible gets inside of you. It energizes, enlivens, and changes your lives. And it makes us brave. You'll begin to ask for TVs and ask for emergency exit seats and ask for what you need. Okay, let's stand together and we're going to declare this. We're going to read it together. It's a declaration, and then I'm going to close. (laughs) Okay, Jesus is the high priest of whose confession? Priest. My confession. confession. Sorry? Oh, okay. Therefore, I negate negate all my negative words about myself in his name. name. I declare today I am blessed. I am empowered to prosper. I declare that God's word in me will energize and mobilize me into an amazing future. I agree with everything God's word says about me. I am wonderfully made, created in His image. With his spirit in me. I have a hope and a future. I have more in my future than I can ever imagine. My children are blessed. My investments and bank accounts are blessed. My business is blessed. Whatever I put my hand to do is blessed. God bless you. God enlighten you. God empower you. God prosper you. God, give you courage to ask, believe, and receive. Love you all. Great to be back. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jen. That was wonderful. Such, such an inspiration. So encouraging. What I loved about the story is that it tells us that whatever you go about in your daily life, you don't have to be in the full-time ministry to do the work of God. You don't have to be a pastor's wife. You can be an accountant, a teacher, a stay-at-home mother. You are in the ministry. 
And if Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all people unto you. Let's walk by faith. Let's be people of the word. Thanks, Jen, for a really encouraging testimony of living out Christian faith in God's word. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful day.